Hey, bud. Ah! You ready for some weird shit? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. The world just feels particularly shitty today, so maybe if we just sing songs from our childhood, <laughs> we'll feel less like that. Mm, I bet we won't. How about some what Raffi? If we talk about portals? Baby beluga <laughs> flying through the portal. <laughs> you swim portal through space and you end up in a dimension. <laughs> it isn't this one. <laughs> it's a different one. Yeah. Guys, we're trying something new today in which Ryan has no idea what we're about to talk about, and I'm just going to guide him on a strange, strange Magical journey. Magical mystery. Through the portals of Sedona. We So, for those of you who don't know, uh, some, uh, some behind-the-scenes insight, Spencer and I both prepare about whatever topic we're doing, usually on a spectrum sometimes. One of us more than the other, sometimes the other more than the other. Sometimes, sometimes neither of us really at all. <laughs> once in a while, too much. Well, once in a while, too much, and we make a two or three parter. Um, but Spencer was like, yo, I read this book, dude, and you should not read about this at all. Also, and come in fully empty handed. So I'm like, you guys, <laughs> I'm yeah. a listener you get to with play, a new story. You get to play like the, the Chance York or Eric Mason role today, where you just get to listen to weird shit and react to it. Oh, man. Also, I love Mysterious Universe, but man, fuck Mysterious Universe. <laughs> the day I finished reading this book, they did a whole episode about it. So I, I promise we're not biting Mysterious Universe. Yeah. Synchronicities just happen sometimes. That is true. And Especially, I, in fact, didn't listen to their episode just so that I wouldn't be influenced by them. I have also not listened to that episode because I haven't listened to that podcast in like a year and a half. Ooh. No, that's not shots. It's just true. <laughs> No, I just, I just, uh, I just fell off it. It's shit. <laughs> I promise, I'm not making fun of Mysterious Universe. No, you, you I, can. I love that show. It's okay. Yeah, it, it is pretty good. It's a good show. Those are good dudes. They talk about the same stuff as us and yeah. make people literally. Sometimes, I guess. Yeah, I guess literally. Fuckers. Anyway, well, here, well, if you guys listen to that show, you can, <laughs> you can tell us <laughs> who did better. the better episode. Anyway, we're talking about Bradshaw Ranch. In Sedona, Arizona. Brad, Terry, does Terry live there? It's Terry Bradshaw's ranch. Yep. Please tell me it is. It's not. Damn I'm it. Sorry. It's Linda Bradshaw's ranch. I'm going. I'm. I'm going to talk like Terry Bradshaw. Is that how he talks? I mean, he's got a. Re- he's got a pretty deep, <laughs> deep Southern accent. Yeah. Terry, I don't know. Terry Bradshaw looks like he's. He's lived a lot of life. Mm, that he has. <laughs> that he has. His uh, head. He's got the the like the fat head. That you get only from, from like, really, really boozing. <laughs> you know, where, like, you get older and your head just swells for no reason? It's a beach ball. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's, by the time he's 70, he's just going to, like, he's going to literally have a beach ball for He's going to take off. He's just going to start floating in his sports commentating chair. Dude, he's got the he's got the whiskey melon going. Uh, anyway. This, this show is parody and it's all jokes <laughs> and we don't know what Terry Bradshaw does in his free time. Oh, wait. But, but yeah, we do. Look Be- at him. Before we, d- <laughs> <laughs> we okay. all we all know what he's doing. You, it, we've seen it. We've all seen it. Before, really quick, before we dive into Terry Bradshaw's ranch, uh, we're not going to play any new voicemails this week because we played them all on the Patreon. So, uh, for those, uh, of, did we? I thought I mean, we, we don't did. have to play any, but. Okay, we sure. we can play some at the end if Fuck we have you guys some additional ones. <laughs> yeah, too much portal talk. Spencer's got a whole book's worth, but yeah, uh, the the paid episode this week, uh, patreoncom podcast, We we played a bunch of voicemails, um, and uh, yeah, so that's why we're not starting with any this week. Yeah, 
so a woman named Linda Bradshaw mm-hmm. owned a ranch about 12 miles outside of Sedona, Arizona. Uh, where in Arizona is? Where in the state is Sedona, Sedona? Arizona? Um, I guess that's not super, well, might be more relevant. See, you did need your computer for this, Ryan. Uh, Sedona, Arizona. Good. Googly moogly. It's in the, uh, it's like just south of Flagstaff, like dead center in Arizona. Okay. Um, yeah, like due west of LA, a little southwest of, of Vegas. Okay. I'm with it. She purchased this ranch in, I believe, 1992, 92, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had been in the 50s and 60s. A lot of westerns were filmed on and around this ranch because oh, it's jealous. It's just like a few hours east of LA, mm. and it looks super otherworldly because it's all the red rock of of Sedona. Do you have a list of which ones? Which movies? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I'm gonna I'm, yeah, see. There you go. <laughs> I'm gonna Google all of the super unimportant yep, shit yep. while you talk about you the just important distract shit. Distract me every once in a while. <laughs> okay, deal. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, it's uh, let's see. It's probably like four or five, five or six hours east of LA by auto. Okay. So she bought this ranch in '92, and pretty much right away, weird shit started happening. And in 1995, she and a gentleman named, she being Linda Bradshaw, and a gentleman named Tom Dongo wrote a book about it called Merging Dimensions, The Opening Portals of Sedona. God damn. Tom Dongo. Tom Dong, Tom DeLong Dongo. Tom, Tom DeDongo. <laughs> Tom de, Tom yes. DeDong. Yes. Tom DeDong. Tom's Dong and Dong Linda Dong Dong Dong. All right, sorry. <laughs> They wrote a book called Merging Dimensions, and it's it's a very strange book in that, like, neither of them are necessarily writers, and they certainly didn't hire an editor, so the book is a a bit of a... Shit show? A bit of a mess (laughs) at times. I'm going to try and... uh, Try and condense it as best I can. But the the first section of the book is written by Linda Bradshaw, and then the second part of the book is written by Tom Dongo. They didn't necessarily, like, collaborate. They just each kind of wrote their account of these things separately mm. and then put them in one book. I feel like... Uh I feel like we should try to write a book that way, but we should we just, just pick do a topic and we each write like 50 pages about it. But maybe like, maybe we just agree on a central plot point where like my part ends and your part begins. Oh, we're writing fiction. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> well, we're going to make some shit up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're definitely gonna make some yeah, shit okay. up. So like just, we create one central plot point where my part ends and your part begins. Mm. And then, like a choose your own adventure, but there's only one decision to be made. Yeah, and 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 the and the reader doesn't get to choose. You just pick up where so I not left at off. All like a choose your own adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when I said like a choose your own adventure, what I meant was you guys about back there. <laughs> we lied. Yeah, so they, that's how they chose to write this book. Except it it overlaps. It, they just both told their version of this story mm-hmm. separately. Mm-hmm. Tom Dongo starts his section of the book with a. Uh, a 19-point summary of all the strange shit that happened on this ranch in the 90s. I'm sorry. I might have missed this while I was researching which <laughs> westerns were filmed on this ranch. Yeah. Ha- Any updates for us, by the way? Um, I'm getting movies that were filmed in Sedona, but not... That's probably good enough. Sedona Ranch specifically. Okay. There are a I lot. I don't know what it was called back in the day, though, because I forgot the name of the guy who originally owned it. 
The ranch itself. Yeah. Oh, before I sold to the Bradshaws. I see. I see. Um, a lot and like some very good ones, such as uh, the Quick and the Dead, mm-hmm. National Lampoon's Vacation. Is that a western? Well, there are western <laughs> moments in it. Okay. Uh, or I mean, have you seen it? Southwest. Um, I've seen part of it on TV. Okay, eh, it's better it's like, than we usually do. Here. Better than I usually do. Yeah. The original Three Ten to Yuma was filmed in Sedona. Okay, you seen it? I've not. Yeah, I haven't either. seen the new one either. Actually, me either. Because um, we don't watch a lot of movies. Let's see. Tall in the saddle. I haven't seen that. Okay. Billy the Kid. That's a that's a film I've heard. That's a film I've heard of. <laughs> 1941. Can you believe they were making movies in 1941? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. That 1923 sounds- though. Call of the Canyon. Pretty fucking old. 20s? That's a 100-year-old movie. No UFOs back then. Mm. <laughs> All right. So oh, I'm, wait, I'm wait. A, I didn't get to ask my question. Oh, right. Because well, that's why I stopped to talk about movies. Well, who is Tom? How is Tom connected to the ranch itself? You know what? That would have been a good thing to explain in this book. No fucking idea. Uh, they don't. They, he nope, just wrote never about it. So yes. she owns it and lived there while mm-hmm. the shit was happening. Yep. And he's just and I, a I guy? inferred from, yes who I inferred from reading this whole fucking thing. Not a baby. That, for better or worse. <laughs> God bless. That I was camping. I had no electricity and nothing else to do. And, you know, and you're like, this is wild. Let's do it. This shit. Yeah. Uh, I just read a book and hoped that Squatch would show up and save me from the boredom of Tom Dongo. <laughs> I, I, he is a guy who researches paranormal things. Okay. Who I guess is also friends with Linda Bradshaw or became friends with her once he heard of all the weird shit that was going on out there. Mm. So I think it was uh, Linda Bradshaw was living there. Weird shit started happening. She contacted paranormal researcher Tom Dongo to come investigate, and then they together wrote a book about the weird shit that was going on there. I see. The, the internet written, tells me he lives in Sedona. That would do it. So He's written other books such as The Mysteries of Sedona, The New Age Frontier, mm. The Mysteries of Sedona, Book 2, the Alien Tide. Mm. Gotta uh, get the word alien in there. Well, yeah. yeah. Also, this book is old enough that it has an order form for these in the back of it. Mysterious Sedona, Year 2000 edition. And The Mysteries of Sedona, Book 3, The Quest in Pursuit of the Ultimate Mystery. Um, There's a distinct chance I just found Tom Dongo's blog spot. Ooh. <laughs> which is called Tom, Tom Dongo UFO Paranormal Blog. Blogspot.com. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it appears being concise is not necessarily his thing. No, it certainly is not. Unfortunately, based on this 19 point summary I'm about to read you. I'm so into it. Uh, Tom's last blog post, just for whatever it's worth, uh, is from June 19th, 2015, 2015 and is titled A Friendly Bigfoot. <laughs> so, has, has Tom perished or he just got bored with his blog spot? Um,. Cannot confirm or deny (laughs) a current existence of Tom Dongo. So I'm going to try and uh, sort of cherry pick the the best and also worst of these 19 points. Mm. This is Tom. This is Tom Dongo's Sedona Declaration of Independence. Yes. Whereas, (laughs) as actually he says, as follows: Number one, frequent areas sightings of moving balls of light, either silver, red, white, blue, or green. Uh, spheres of various diameters up to 30 feet, uh, traveling at speeds anywhere between 50 and estimated 10,000 miles per hour. Orbs, 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 many orbs, 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 many orbs of many colors moving at many speeds, many different sizes. Many buddies. 
Uh, number two, he says three reliable sightings of unknown animals. Three? So three unknown animals have been sighted at three different times, I Got think it. is what he's saying. He describes them as being all four-legged, either short or long fur. <laughs> so they, they had fur. I, I was going to say, I, I wonder what the alternative would be. I was mm-hmm. like, I guess they could be bald. Like those nasty cats, those nasty bald cats. <laughs> you ever yes. seen those cats? <laughs> those cats are nasty. <laughs> Yeah. That's a nasty cat, bro. <laughs> those, those pictures fuck me up. I just go, ew, that's a nasty cat. <laughs> They're pretty gross. So, yeah, they weren't those things. They okay. were something other no than those. No nasty cats in <laughs> Anything Sedona. other than nasty cats. Got it. Um, and he estimated that their weight was between approximately 20 and 100 pounds. Big, big range. The summary of this is that Tom is bad at guessing. Well, I mean, I feel like... If you've only seen three animals, I don't need a spectrum of one of them was as low Just as Just describe tw- the three of them. All three of them would yeah. be fine here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, he's saying that they're like hybrid animals. So he said one was a cross, looked like a cross between a fox, a cat, and a raccoon. So small little furry guys running around who aren't the Fox. animals that they're supposed to be. Okay. Sort of right. like Skinwalker Ranch, but less scary. Not giant wolves, just weird little hybrid animals. Critters. Yeah. Strange critters. However, also the appearance of highly unusual tracks, some of them being six inches wide by 20 inches long. Was it a friendly Bigfoot? Well, that is a big foot. A 20-inch foot, a twenty inch long foot is quite big. That is a big foot. Um, some of them had three toes and some of them had five toes. He says he says the tracks have been photographed, and yet in the like forty page section of this book that is dedicated solely to photographs does not include any of those photographs. Well, what the fuck, Tom? Mm-hmm. Um, he also said that he found a track of a boot that was ten inches long and five inches wide, with no tread on the boot. A ten inch long boot print is just like a men's eleven boot. Mm, yes. <laughs> why is that strange? Is he and why does he include that in the same paragraph as finding a Bigfoot track with three toes? It may be. Um, was someone tracking the Bigfoot? He's saying there's a Bigfoot hunter out there. Was someone tracking the tracker of the Bigfoot? Ooh. No, but like maybe what he's trying and to. If so yeah, and if so, <laughs> maybe what he's trying to say is like that was a uh, hmm. No one here has like bald tread boots in this house why would sure someone was out here creeping around yeah and and also i got to imagine like well i don't know i mean was it like a a moon boot a moon boot that's actually kind of what i was thinking was i was like was this like a like a suit yeah. boot zoot zoot suit boot mm. zoot suit boot stop uh <laughs> <laughs> he lastly describes Footprints that were approximately nine inches long, very narrow at the heel, but very wide at the front of the foot, each with six toes. It's a flipper. Flip Six-inch flipper prints. <laughs> so lots of weird animal prints and maybe weird human prints. Okay. Um, tons of sightings of military vehicles. So sometimes convoys of like upwards of 20 
just unmarked white vans rolling uh, through the desert? That's, that's, well, I was about to say that's too many white vans. One is too many, but... He, he says every time uh, these vehicles are spotted, they're going into the canyons at Sedona. They're never seen coming out. So perhaps there is a... Underground. Either, uh, an underground aspect or maybe just a separate entrance and exit. <laughs> or a... Or Hard a, to say. Or a big ship in the sky that beams them up and takes them back to where whence they came. Uh, following the underground hypothesis, uh-huh. he said, and this is now point six that we're on, uh, there are about a half dozen cases of strong vibrations that originate underground. So like mini earthquakes, basically, hmm. that are uh, strong enough to shake large buildings and be uh, like, if you're doing stuff, you you gotta stop and wait it out. So like mini earthquakes. Okay, but like could be actual just earthquakes. Well, Ryan, he doesn't address that because it's more mysterious if you if you say oscillating vibrations of unknown origin. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense if there's not. I don't know anything about the fault patterns in the southwest I, of the United States. That would have been good information for us to have. Don't, I don't, I don't y'all, know. y'all can Google it. Y'all can Google that. But who uh, knows? I mean, maybe that just means that those vans are carrying Bigfoots to an underground rave, and when they all jump up and down at the same time, it creates vibrations. Yes. I skipped ahead and paid more attention to number seven, which is, quote, a number of cases of human abduction by aliens. I feel like that would have been a good place to start, Tom. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to pause on that one for a while because in her section of the book— and when reading this, you just kind of have to jump back and forth all the time yeah, between yeah. his section and Linda Bradshaw's section because they talk about a lot of the same stuff, but in different together ways. So from his summary, I'm going to go back to where she describes the time that her son was abducted by aliens. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. She she spent now ten- we're cooking with gas. <laughs> she spent ten pages on it. Tom Dongo spent exactly two sentences on it. Well, yeah, alien abduction seems like it deserves more than two sentences yeah. in, in your 19-point action plan. He may he may have uh, viewed her as a more, uh, more valid contributor to that topic based on what happened to her, uh, her son specifically. True, true. Uh, he has no problem speculating about other things other and things sharing though? other people's okay. stories that are not his okay. uh, when it comes to other topics. Got so it, got it. it this re- episode is just inherently going to be kind of scattered because there are just so many like super out there things that are claimed to have happened. Mm-hmm. And there's no one source that really organizes them. Neatly. Yeah, yeah. So we're just, I'm going to tell you about a bunch of weird shit that happens and it may or may not be related and it may or may not be true. Brackets, brackets, brackets. Yes. Uh, I do think, though, like, for the for the woman who lived on the property, I mean, if we're getting a first-hand account from her, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. So this is her first-hand account of the time that her son was abducted by aliens, and then they went and found him and hypnotized him afterwards. And then they went and found him in the sky? So this was, she doesn't put the exact date on it, but this would have been early 90s, 92, 93. Okay. And her adult son who lived and worked on this ranch with her, he's 27 years old at the time, Mm -hmm. went out for a hike around 7 a.m. and planned to be back by about 9 a.m. So it's just a short hike. Yep. Uh, He didn't bring any food with him because he figured he'd be back in a couple hours, Uh, but he didn't come back. And by noon, she started to get concerned about him 
and uh, started trying to track him down. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any way to get in touch with him. Cell phones, not really a thing. They were pretty isolated anyway. He didn't yep. bring a radio or anything like that. Uh, by 5 p.m., he still was not home. So she and her husband went out, or uh, her husband and a friend went out on horseback to try and find him, and she stayed at home in case they got a phone call. And they were concerned, A, because he hadn't come back, but B, there are lots of things that could cause you to not come back was, in, in that part of the country, such as like many varieties of, of venomous snakes. Spiders. Spiders. There, there's some uh, there's some concerns about the heats and lack of water mm. and just some uh, kind of rough terrain as well. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't say how experienced of a hiker he was. So. Bears? They got to have bears in Arizona, right? Really? More like in Arizona. Woo! That's what I'm here for today, boys. <laughs> bear. Hey, shout out to Bear. Um, By bears. 8 o'clock, 8 p.m., so he'd now been out for 13 hours, uh, Linda's husband and his friend returned home without her son. Uh-oh. And at this point, they decided to call the police and organize a search team for him. Um. The police say that they can't go out overnight because it's just too dangerous and they don't really stand to gain much in terms of locating a person. That makes sense. In total darkness. At 3 a.m., she gets a phone call from her son and he just said, Mom, come get me. He, At 4 a.m. 3 a.m., but. 3 a.m. Yeah. So he's been gone for going on 24 um, hours. For 20 hours, yeah. Okay. Yep. Says mom, come get me, and says he's that he's in a town 15 miles south of Sedona. Okay. So he describes where he is. They get in the truck and they go pick him up, and he's waiting at a uh, like a gas station 15 miles south of them. He, she said he could barely walk and he limped on a severely injured right leg. Uh, his brand new hiking boots were worn; the soles were worn through. And uh, he basically could not speak. Whether she doesn't say why, if it was like he was super dehydrated or just exhausted, or if there was like a some other psychological reason or something, she doesn't really describe why. Yeah, I mean, for whatever it's worth, like I don't see aliens yet. Like you got lost right. on your hike and went fifteen miles in the wrong direction, and yeah, that so probably took you ten to twelve hours. Or they, whatever. Right. Going, yeah, mile and a half, two miles an hour over Something a rough like terrain. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Uh, and probably not in the most direct straight line to Especially if you're the lost place as you fuck didn't intend like, to end yeah. up. Yeah. So they bring him home. He sleeps overnight. And then the next morning they ask him, uh, what the WTF, hell, man? Bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what happened there when you almost died? Can you not? And he said he had been hiking during the morning when the next thing he knew it was night and he found himself in the middle of unfamiliar terrain with no direction and no idea where he was. Oh, well, that's he a heard rattlesnakes around him. No thanks. And he saw a river nearby, so he decided to jump in, knowing that that would a provide him temporary safety from the rattlesnakes that were around him. Apparently, they don't like water. Really? I know uh, some snakes can swim. Yes. Can rattlesnakes not swim? I don't know. Maybe their rattle not fills worth up with water try, and yeah. then they sink. <laughs> It's like a buoy. They just float in one spot. They can't swim anywhere. <laughs> their head's just underwater and <laughs> they just drown. <laughs> That's how biology uh, works, right, Adam? Yes. <sighs> yeah. Uh, hey, Adam. <laughs> Guys, we have a friend who's a true biologist and he'll oh, probably also, yell at us. 
some someone who will not be named, but I might be married to, was trying to tell me <laughs> that there were rattlesnakes in in the park in southern Minnesota that we were in the other day, and mm. I told her that that is bullshit. That is not true. So if anyone out there knows anything about North American rattlers and wants to uh, illuminate me as to whether or not they exist in Minnesota, I may or may not be moving way further north. I think... Um I think the oh, are there Minnesota rattlesnakes? Fuck! Wait, do I have to leave? Well, okay. Here's what I got: of the 17 snake species in Minnesota, that's too many already. Only two are venomous. What? Since when? The eastern Massasauga. Okay. And the timber rattlesnake. Oh, yeah. That's what it said there was there. Both are only found in southeastern counties in Minnesota. That's where I was. But are rarely encountered. So there is a venomous rattlesnake in Minnesota. And Bummer they, sauce, they lived dude. in the park where I was just camping, apparently. Bummer sauce. Like how venomous? Uh, like normal rattlesnake venomous? Like sea snake venomous? Many harmless species of snake mimic rattlesnakes by vibrating their tails to deter predators. That's kind of cool. I didn't know that. Mm. Uh, this is D- the worst. DNR is not really giving me a whole lot on okay. level uh, of how easily these things can kill I you. I guess I've gone camping for the last time. You guys, we live in Minnesota because once a year, it gets so goddamn cold where we live that everything fucking dies except for people, and we love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> people and, like, deer. And, and like, like, large mammals. Yes. <laughs> And that is why we stay here. Mm-hmm. So all the mosquitoes and all the snakes and all the what spiders. What Ryan's saying is we're coming to Canada. Mm-hmm. Who's having us? <laughs> hey, bud. Y'all got air beds? You got a spare room, bud. We'll, br- we'll bring beer. <laughs> hey. Hey, we live here now. Holy sorry. Holy shit. <laughs> anyway. We're at your front door. <laughs> he heard rattlesnakes and jumped in the river because he figured it would uh, deter the rattlesnakes from eating him and it might lead him... To a town, because yeah, towns are built along rivers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with him. So he said the water was pretty low. It was below his waist, so he just kind of waded through the river. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. During this time, he found someone who was camping along the river and stopped to speak to him to see if he could help him out. And the guy offered to share his food with him uh, and said he could stay at his camp until morning and they could find a, uh, a way to get him home or get him to a phone or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also told Victor that he probably would not make it out alive if he kept hiking through the night. <laughs> Wait, who was Victor? Victor was the camping Sorry, guy? Vic, no, Victor is the kid who got abducted by aliens. Oh, oh, this I guy, see, I see, This I guy see. that he met was like, hey, man, you should stay here because if you keep wading through <laughs> the river all night, gonna die. you're going to die. Yeah. yeah. And um, pass out face down and drown in a river real quick. Victor said he felt he could not stay there and he did not feel safe with this man. And he just knew that he had to get out of there. So he kept wading down the river. <laughs> and as it turns out, almost died. Hey, man, you want some help? Fuck you. <laughs> I got a river to keep me warm. It's funny, too, because he stopped and walked over to him, talked to him for a while, and he's like, I'd rather walk down this river than stay with you for another minute, sir. C- if you, I'd rather get eaten by rattlers than stay with you for one more minute. I was literally just going to say, how creepy does the guy have to be who is the first face you've seen in 12 hours swimming away from rattlesnakes with like st- 
some missing time going on from a, daytime a to nighttime? A bunch of missing time. He thought it was 8 a.m. and then it was dark out. How terrible. He missed like 12 hours at least. Did that Was that dude like Gollum from Lord of the Rings? Like, or how <laughs> out of it was Victor at this point? That's that true. he's just being completely irrational and, and wandering like, back into the river by himself instead of staying with this dude offering to give him a <laughs> tent and some food. Hey, man, you want a hot cup of coffee? You look cold. Fuck you! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like keeps going. <laughs> I would love to hear that guy's version of this story, honestly. We got porridge on the stove. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> I'd rather live with the snakes. Victor's a tick. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you too, buddy. Keep it moving. Uh, so he wades down the river for a while, and he comes across a cabin that has a light on. So he walks up to the cabin to ask for help. And a woman comes to the door who... Linda says, quote, understandably chose not to let him in. <laughs> She's like, my son is ugly. Uh, he asked he asked if she had a phone that he could use, and she said she did not. And he, she said, fuck you. <laughs> Damn it. It was actually the, Karma. It was the guy from the from the campsite. It was his cabin. He's coming back around. Yeah. Um, he, he stood outside and tried to explain his predicament, and she offered to give him some clothes and a sleeping bag if he would bring him back the next day. So she, like, cracked the door open and threw some shit at him so he wouldn't freeze to death and said, bring me back my shirt in the morning. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like quite the crapshoot. In the, you're in the, the desert, so I guess it probably gets pretty cold. Yeah, yeah, night, yeah. And now he's wet because he's been walking through a river for who knows how long. Right. Uh, at this point, he has more missing time after he talks to this woman at the cabin. And the next thing he remembers is being at this gas station and calling his parents' house. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, Linda... Tells this story to Tom Dongo, uh-huh. and they decide that they should do a hypnotic regression with her son, Victor, to figure out what happened. Oh, oh here we Shockingly, go. Shockingly, if you ask the UFO researcher what he thinks you should do with your kid who can't remember what happened, Send he thinks you should get hypnotized to make sure he was abducted by aliens. Uh, yes. I just... No, it's the worst. Yeah. I'm, I'm always like... I'm a There's little bit like maybe, um, maybe give him a second. There's absolutely nothing water. in the story that I just described that would imply anything about anything paranormal. The only part of it I will allow for is if he's legitimately like, I was hiking and then I like snapped two and it was 10 hours later and I don't know what happened in between there. That's I mean, fucking weird. But it's not it doesn't inha- say anything yeah. about aliens it's or anything. It's not like paranormal. Travis Walton where it was like, and then over the hill came a light of. A beam of light that knocked me and six 50 of us feet backwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's just a dude got. He had missing time, which right. is scary and weird. But right. Like, anyway, so they decide to go to Doctor Carlos Warder, a uh, physician slash slash psychiatrist. Okay. And she says, and and also quote an author who has experience with matters such as these. So Victor, uh, her son, who was abducted schedules a hypnotic regression appointment with Dr. Warder. And she says the regression quote brought out some incredible information, parts of which I will share in this transcript. Uh Oh, 
Oh, she has a date on this. So this the the hypnotic regression was July thirty first, nineteen ninety four. So I think that the okay. incident probably happened. It was like a week prior. Oh, that's pretty quick. They really went after it. Yeah. Well, you know, can't they, let those non existent memories fade. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. So she has a transcript here of the conversation between the doctor and her son Victor mm-hmm. during this hypnotic regression mm-hmm. that I will I will read some excerpts from. Okay. Doctor says, go to the moment in time when you are lacking water. I don't really know what that means. Yeah. Or why he chose to phrase it that way. Yeah. Anyway, Victor says, I see a triangle. White lights in the shape of a triangle. There's a glass. There is glass or a mirror. I'm going through the glass into the triangle and I'm not in the canyon anymore. I'm inside something. I can look down and see my body below me. I see the canyon wall canyon walls. And I'm as high up as the walls. I'm just looking. I'm now above the walls. Something is pulling me up. It's a bright light. Sounds like being scooped up by a UFO. Triangle, craft, white lights, flying. Victor, you've been beamed up. Yes. Doctor says, where are you now? What do you see? And he says, I saw something. Okay. (laughs) A white oval head. There's more than one. There's a bright light. There are two lights, two colors. One is white. One is another color. One is right above me. Hmm. Doctor says, where are the oval heads? And he says, to my gray, gray bodies. Their bodies are gray. There's a white light behind them. That was all in caps. Sorry. (laughs) There's a white light behind them and a yellow light above me. I really like the idea that when you read, you kind of have like a, like a, just a volume Tourette's thing where your just volume (laughs) shoots up and down. It's in in caps. No, it's good. You did a great job of reading capital letters. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that's what that means. Although when I type in all caps in like comments or replies to you guys on Twitter, it's more just me being like, yes, absolutely. It's just just like Ryan's normal volume. Loud talking. (laughs) Yeah. It's louder than the rest of ours. Facts. Yeah. I am a big guy, man. What can I do? That's physics. It's just how it works. Biology. Big, big, Mm -hmm. got big airbags in here. (laughs) Yikes. Blowing a lot of hot air. Well, that much is true. Yeah. Uh, He goes on to ask him a bunch of questions that there's no way he would have the answers to, such as where are they from? And Victor says, Nebula, out, blah, blah, outside blah, 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 blah. of our zone, we can't see another dimension. Okay. He then immediately moves on from that and asks him to recap what happened inside the ship. Um, so basically, he, he goes on to describe in sometimes great detail, sometimes extremely vaguely, being abducted by a triangular craft in which they were gray aliens that were flying him around. Uh, they had, they wanted to tell him some message about how humans were ruining the planet. Um, they were not trope, man, not necessarily from another planet, but from another dimension that somehow overlaid ours. Mm. Um, he said they have some sort of contract with our dimension, like the governments in our dimension. I like that. I've never heard that before. I like that. And he said, uh, the contract is almost over. And they're coming around more often because this contract is almost over and they're trying to uh, avoid a conflict that they think will happen when this contract is over. So I, they're, they're, they're coming up to their next like collective bargaining session and they're, they're beefing with Earth Dimension people. We've done the show for a really long time and somehow that concept has never entered my mind that there's some sort of agreement 
that like we have really? with yeah i don't know why that's that's talked about in like some of the alien abduction lore of like i forget which president it was supposed to be but there's some story about one of the like president johnson or somebody made uh, a pact with the grays that they could abduct a certain number of people every year for whatever they were doing in exchange for them giving us access to their super advanced technologies and promising not to destroy us all yeah <laughs> or whatever yes yeah, presumably that too yeah i don't know why but i enjoy that concept quite a bit that we're like sitting down at a table being like all right what's what you got playing poker <laughs> well yeah so uh this goes on for like five or six more pages um he describes that they have these beings have the ability to appear as pretty much anything they want to appear as and they can kind of control how we perceive them both visually and and otherwise that makes sense from like the extra dimensional perspective or to me at least makes right. a little more sense um <clears throat> he then goes on to say that Alien life will come to this planet before Christmas of 1994. Um, Victor. I, I mean, I guess that's debatable. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, it's also weird because according to what he's saying in that moment, they already have been here and he just met them. So I don't know if he's saying like they will be. Uh, It'll be a formal. Yeah. They'll have arrival. a press conference by, mm -hmm. by Christmas. Coming down. Also, the, the aliens are aware of Christmas, I guess. I, maybe that was his words, not their words. Uh, anyway. You guys get presents? We're your present. <laughs> Open up a box. There's aliens inside. We're here, motherfuckers. Uh, towards the end, he says, the doctor says, are the greys the good guys or the bad guys or both? Very... Very important medical mm. questions being asked here by this super qualified doctor guy. Yeah, sounds like. Are they the good guys or the bad guys? Or, ma or maybe both? That, that, was a hi that was a him question being like, Sh should I run? <laughs> like, he's, he doesn't even want to know for scientific purposes. He's like, am I good or should I get the fuck out Are of they here? They're going to kill me because I know this. Um, and sure, how scared do I need to be on a scale of one to ten? Are you going to self-destruct, son? <laughs> The gray, he's, and Victor says the Greys are neutral at this point. The Greys play games. Uh, why do you think the Greys are coming around so much? I believe that there are many. I know that there are many. That's that's his uh, inflection there, not me okay. struggling to read. I know <laughs> that there are many different forms of life beings, also his spelling, Sweet. Uh, on this area, also his spelling, at this time. The Greys are territorial. They wish to have territorial achievement if you let them have it. Okay. He says there are also golden beings of light and that he's seen three of them. To which Dr. Warder says, can you describe their hair? Golden beams of light. Can, can you, you describe, describe their, their hair? hair? <laughs> Victor says they're of a luminous gold. Beautiful head. Figure not like that of the greys or of, or of any that I have seen. Their bodies are short, they're slightly wide, their arms are long, and they can move flowingly. Their bottom half does not have a defined form. Whoa! Beams of light, beautiful hair, beautiful head, weird arms, no dicks. Top, top half, absolute Gorgeous. unit. Bottom half, it's like fog, honestly. Borderline non-existent, to be honest. Top half, 
Tops. Yeah, but can you describe their hair? No. No, they don't have bottoms, man. Did you hear what I said? Uh, it seems so much more important than your goddamn hair questions, man. They don't have bottoms, bro. They're like clouds. <laughs> Lastly, he says, can they mobilize themselves without ships? Uh, and he says, they journey as light. They can journey up to three at a time in a small vessel. So, a yes. ship, <laughs> perhaps? But the vessel is actually a light. Whoa. And then they stop this hypnosis <laughs> session. Okay. All so, right. Um, alien abduction is a thing that happened at this ranch. Sure sounds like it. Is this yep. the only specific story that gets documented in the book? Of alien abduction? Yes. Yes, which is a very frustrating thing that Tom does a lot in his writing. He will say there are many cases of this and then describe either one or zero of them. Hmm. Um, so, for instance, he says, quote, a number of cases of human abduction by aliens. He doesn't reference any. Okay. And Linda Bradshaw only references one. Hmm. Um, anyway, that's hmm. point seven of 19. Yep, yep, Eight, yep. nocturnal movements of unseen, seemingly humanoid creatures. So there are invisible creatures. Unseen, but they are also seemingly humanoid. Yes. And I I had a hard time with that, too. Uh, Linda describes one night going out into her field because her animals were all freaking out about something, much like some of the scenarios described at Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. And she sees her dogs especially, uh, like, circled around nothing, just a point in her field. And she walks up to them and is trying to calm them and walks over to what they appear to be upset about. Focused on. And she said she felt like a a presence in front of her, but she couldn't see anything. And that something hissed in her face. Oh, yuck. That sounds terrible. Yeah. So I think... That's like you can hear this these things moving, and sometimes they appear to be able to interact with people or animals Ugh. and have like a semi physical form. So mm-hmm. I think that's what he's getting at when he says like semi human. Like they appear to be upright, or like not appear, but we can in, they can infer that they're like upright, six ish foot tall somethings. Yeah, if they can hiss in a face. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh-huh. I don't uh, like that one at all. <laughs> I, I can tell. That gives me the ickies. He said the typical scenario involves hearing footsteps without anyone or anything being visible, uh doorknobs being rattled or turned, screams and howls sometimes accompany these visitations. Okay. Um he says at least a half a dozen witnesses including myself have had living invisible entities about 8 feet in height brush past them. He says it's a sensation of warm, slightly electrified water brushing past. Whoa, that's so strangely specific. And also, I don't know, like, that doesn't sound human or humanoid or even like a, a creature. Like, yeah, like it's a, more a like wash a, of electricity. An ambient sensation more he, than anything. And he's describing that not only to a, a being, but... Like a specific one with specific physical traits says it's eight feet tall somehow. So maybe it's like when he says unseen, maybe like some sort of 
I don't know, like transparency kind of thing. Yeah. He doesn't describe them like visually at all. But yeah. Um, but like eight feet tall, like you're right, would be a that's a physical characteristic. Like, are you hearing something just above you? Yeah. Or is there like a, a light distortion or something? Like, I mm. guess what you were kind of getting at. Yeah. Uh, number nine is that there are animals terrified of these things. Um, there are some cases of animals being moved in ways that shouldn't be possible, like a horse that was found stuck in a tree. Dude, this is all very skinwalkery. Yeah. Because wasn't yeah. there a cow in a tree on for at Skinwalker Ranch? Uh, there was the thing about all the the cows or the bulls being like wedged into the trailer <laughs> that was locked. I remember that. I don't remember what there. There was like a cow that ran off a cliff. There's one stuck in a tree. I don't remember that. I have a vague memory of us talking about. Maybe it was during the oh, it was during the cattle mutilation episode where we talked about somebody running up on a cow they mm. were finding in a tree or something yeah. like that. So there was a yeah a horse found wedged into a like the the crotch of a tree but like up in the air, and they had to cut the tree to get the horse out. That's one for me so specifically that I'm like, you let that horse die in that tree if that's what it takes to get a fucking picture of that. Yeah, like and- document finding a horse in a tree. That this, requires. Like, look, at, look at this book. The, the, this entire last section, it's like 40 pages. That is all photographs. No photos of any of these things. They're all just like fuzzy orbs and shit. Interesting. Which. So mad. Yeah. And also, like, your, Give me cre- the goods. your credibility is instantly on the decline. Um, let's see. I'm gonna, we're, we're running a little low on time. So I'm going to. Do we got to s- two part it? No, it's fine. I'm just going to skip around a little bit. All right. Um, so we can two-part it, man. I'm here for it. Along with the invisible entities bit, number 14 is voices heard in the desert at night talking in a strange, high-pitched, chattering language. Gross. So if you're out in the desert at night, you will hear voices whispering in a language that is not decipherable. Hmm. They got hyenas in Arizona. Also, lots of weird rock formations that could maybe cause reflections reflections. of sound in in a weird way, like the way that caves sometimes can, maybe. Um, Yeah. Hissing and chattering and... Yeah, dude. The fuck right out of there. fucking gross. Um, Number 13, going back one, is... On September or midsummer, sorry, 1994 at 9 a.m., an incident involving a reptilian-like humanoid running along a dry riverbed as though he were trying to elude someone or something. Military personnel were later seen in the area, witnessed by two adults and one seven-year-old child. Whoa! One of those two adults was Linda Bradshaw. So if we jump back to her description of this incident, um, they the two of them both have this thing about taking like literally random photographs around the property. So they think that there's so much activity. If they shoot enough photos, they'll catch some weird shit. Yeah, and they think that most of this activity is the result of a sentient something who doesn't necessarily want to be seen or photographed or publicized interesting and 
So their workaround for that is to always carry cameras and just always be taking basically. Gotcha. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Like just taking random photos and hoping that things show up on them. Okay. So one day she is out with a camcorder and she's just filming randomly around her property. Yep. And uh, this was after, oh, by the way. This was after they had seen aliens running around outside their house. I left that out of the abduction bit earlier. <laughs> Look, guys, there's a lot to unpack here. We got to fast forward dude, through some parts there's, of them. There's so much shit here, and it's Yikes. like not organized in any meaningful way. Yikes. Um, but I guess maybe I should back up. <laughs> she she starts doing? talking about uh, 2.45 in the morning. She and her uh, her son see a UFO land out in the field by their house. Okay. They then see, a few minutes later, four short gray aliens wearing tight-fitting one-piece uniforms of a light tan color Mm. walk past their window. She describes them as looking like the grays, uh, only these ones were more like white than gray. They then, as soon as they walk past the window, they like hide so they don't get seen by the aliens that are walking around their house. Yeah. And then they they grab the camcorder and hop in their truck to go try and find these aliens and get footage of them. Okay. Uh, They don't. They can't find the aliens once they get out there. But they do find footprints around their house. So the next morning, they decide to go out again with the camcorder and just see if they can document anything. Got it. Okay. That's when they start seeing other weird shit. I see. That only shows up on their camcorder. So when they're just looking, for instance, across a field, her her son says, hey, there are some pigs over there, like across the field. And he's looking through the camcorder, and she's just looking across the field. She does not see any pigs, but if you look through the viewer on the camcorder, you can see a group of pigs. Weird. Yeah. Again, with sort of like the interdimensional stuff maybe like there are things that we can't see but are there in a slightly different like i don't know in like vibration or plane or something yeah and like electronic like the whole electric water wave thing like yeah i don't know like somehow readable by some other sensor that is not the human eyeball right our senses just aren't quite tuned to whatever it is i i guess i don't know um, weird. So they keep walking around trying to see if they can find any other weird shit. Uh, and her son yells, Mom, there's a dinosaur. Sick. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so they run towards him. And she says, quote, I arrived just in time to see what appeared to be a large tail scurrying into the brush further down the riverbed. Uh, the description of the creature later given by both... Oh, this is the reptilian, not a true dino. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, my son, the the adult son who was taken by aliens, and a seven-year-old said it was approximately five feet tall, stood erect on both hind feet, was sort of earth-colored, uh, and was basically a dinosaur. But it was running on its back legs. So like a Tyrannosaurus or a Velociraptor. Sort of like a Velociraptor, it sounds like, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. Um, she said, I tried to gather my wits and then realized that it must <laughs> surely have been a species that I had read about called the reptilians. 
So this is somehow how these conclusions are being made. A kid says, Mom, I saw a dinosaur, and she says, oh, it must be a reptilian. So she is being a while little they're generous. Out, while they're out there under the pretense of trying to find things that you can't see. And or the aliens that landed last night. Right. Um, Boy, she big said, day. Big day for yeah, them as a family. Yeah. Uh, she said, I explained to my son the belief that by many... Not her, of course. That there exists a species of humanoids from another place that closely resemble lizards. Uh, but reflecting back and knowing what I know now about this fragile zone or window, which are like these portals that they're talking about, mm-hmm. I'm not so certain that what we saw wasn't a dinosaur. The only other aspect that leads me back to reptilians is the fact that we have found large reptilian-type footprints on the on the ranch. And at each and in each case, it has been at a time when our animals have been harassed by unknown and unseen agencies. There's a big fucking lizard messing with her cows. Unknown and unseen agencies, mm-hmm. like governmental agencies. I think she just means beings, forces, beings. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last few, going back to Tom Dongo's nineteen. 19- Point bulletin here. Whereas, (laughs) in which military helicopters chased at high speed two fast moving three foot diameter balls of blue light. Therein, jet fighters were chasing UFOs. Mm. Uh, And then he goes on to lastly describe lots of local residents and hikers who have encountered. Assault weapon, assault weapon toting soldier types, as he says, and have been turned back at gunpoint. So you'll be out hiking on what should be public land and encounter some guys in all black with machine guns who say, Not today. No, the fuck you're not. Please turn around. Not today. And do not identify themselves uh, or give any insight as to why you may not proceed, just that you got to go. Hmm. Um, Tom clarifies his stance a little bit on this in the very last sentence of the book. Ooh. In which he says, um, they carry U.S. military ID and are under the jurisdiction of FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. He has uh, no documentation of this or any explanation as how he came to that conclusion. He says, I recently learned a little more about those who are dressed in black goo. Mm. <laughs> His writing style is a disaster. I have recently learned a little more about who these dressed in black goons are. They are a faction of the U.S. military. They're FEMA. No explanation. No sources. Um, mm. At one point, the only source he, he cites is the uh, Montana People's Militia. Ooh. Which sounds about as um, about as reputable as you can get, really. Is that just like we hang out and hold our guns together? I think so. Okay. Also, Sedona's not in Montana. Uh, nor is it particularly <laughs> close in the uh, grand or nope. not so grand scheme of things. Uh, I guess just to, to tie up some loose ends here and uh, cover some things that we haven't covered yet. Yeah, yeah. There is a friendly female Bigfoot that she has named Big Girl. Oh, big girl! Who is an, an interdimensional pregnant Bigfoot. Oh. Uh, they met each other because Linda used to leave food out for it. She knows it's pregnant because um, Bigfoot, or Big Girl, I'm sorry, 
used to, uh, in order to let Linda know that she had been there in her dimension by her house. Yes. She would lay down on her back in the dirt and make like a, a snow angel a bigfoot. Dirt, a dirt angel? A uh, dirt foot. <laughs> big girl, big girl dirt angel foot. Mm-hmm. Mm. And one day there was like a belly print to the side and she's like, well, I know when I was pregnant, if I would lie on my back, I couldn't just sit up straight. I'd kind of have to roll to the side first. Mm. So there's a naked pregnant lady rolling around in her yard. Well, what named if, Big Girl, who might be a Bigfoot from another dimension. She also might have just been feeding Big Girl like a little bit too frequently, and that's what gave her a mm-hmm. little bit of a belly. Possible, possible, possible. Um, there I'd are, say probable. <laughs> as I mentioned, uh, there are there's a whole photo section with probably I don't know fifty or so photos. Um, Any like extremely compelling I mean, if, ones? If you want to flip through those, go ahead. And, oh. I do. Maybe we can maybe we can include a few in the show notes or on Facebook or something here too. Mm. Most of them are just uh, orbs in quotations. Like you know, if you if you take a photo of like some snowflakes or some some dust specks or something, you get some little circular fuzzy guys on there. Sure. Some of them are uh, clearly photos in which Tom Dongo like took accidentally took a picture of his finger or the side of his own leg. <laughs> One is just like Tom's pants. That's the mysterious floating pants. Look at these weird pants. <laughs> um, the last thing, and the, the title of the book, references portals. Mm. Uh, with the photos, Linda claims that she took a picture of one of these portals that sometimes open up on her property and on the surrounding area. And that is one of the photos that's included in the book. She says she took a picture through this portal in which she could see another dimension. So it was like a window to another place. Oh. And the photo appears to show some sort of UFO-looking craft flying next to slash behind a telephone pole, which she says clearly could not be this dimension because there were no telephone poles on her property. (laughs) Okay. So we also have a mysterious interdimensional telephone pole. But Tom Dongo summarizes all this weird shit by saying uh, he believes Sedona is a portal or a window area to another dimension. Hmm. And that there are three primary portals and several minor portals that he claims to know the exact location and size of. The primary portal is relatively small. He says it's 30 feet high uh, by 100 feet wide by 100 feet deep. Deep? So it's like a like a three-dimensional, like a rectangular prism. So it's 30 feet high and then like a 100 feet square. I just always thought of portals as like 2D circles that like you don't walk oh, into. Right. You no, just this, sort of, as soon are, as you pass through it, you're on the other side. three-dimensional. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Tom says, I've been told by several well-placed researchers that the U.S. government knows exactly where all of the major portals are in this country. The government is either purchasing the property surrounding these portals and closing the areas off or are intentionally destroying some of them. Oh. So he believes that some of the government activity in the area and the military bases in the area are there because of these portals and that they're either supervising and or attempting to close them. Mm. 
Um, he cites a, a fire that burned on top of a mountain where he thinks one of these portals is for five days. And then after the five-day fire, all the weird activity stopped. So he thinks that the government burned the portal down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Burn it down! Um, Tom sounds mostly unbelievable throughout this book, but... The property, including the Bradshaw Ranch and the area around it, was purchased by the U.S. government in 2003, eight years after Tom proposed that the government was buying up these areas in order to close or monitor these portals. And after he was making claims of governmental employees being in the area and Mm -hmm. on the property. Skinwalker Ranch, also currently owned by the U.S. government, I believe. I always hate when there's like a real good detail right at the end that makes this shit seem credible to some extent. Yeah. Also, not hate. I mean, it's more just go ahead. Also, if they already have a presence in the area, if they are doing some things that require some amount of secrecy and there are only a handful of people living nearby, it would make sense to buy that property if and when it becomes available. If not to actually use, uh, then to at least create a little more isolation around whatever it is that you're doing that appears to be somewhat secretive. True. Uh, True. Maybe they're also closing portals or monitoring interdimensional pregnant Bigfoots and dinosaurs. I I can't prove that they're not. (laughs) Um, But you can't prove that they are, Tom. True. Tom also takes a few detours towards the end of the book in which uh, he describes the airplanes, or sorry, the UFOs that he has seen which intentionally disguise themselves as airplanes. Oh. So he's... So he has it on good uh, good faith that they are not, in fact, airplanes. Correct. They are UFOs disguised as airplanes. Correct. This Tom Dongo sounds like an interesting fella. He sounds like a Dongo. Uh, <laughs> he also describes, as I mentioned earlier, his, his primary strategy of gathering information is just to walk around and randomly take photos. Um, he spends a paragraph speculating on how much a photo of a live Bigfoot would have sold for in 1995. You want to take a guess? I I was going to say, please tell me you have the number. I do. Would you like to Um, to estimate? uh, Part of me wants to know, like if there's a range, I mean, how much, okay. How much a live Bigfoot or just a live Bigfoot? What? Sorry, I, you were, you were about to give me a yes. I was like, I oh was, yes, uh, a, li- a, a live photo Bigfoot. of a live Bigfoot. Okay, I don't. You'd have. To, I don't know how you exactly you'd confirm it's alive from from a picture, but true. I Maybe it's like it's walking or something. Like yeah, say like the Watcher Macaulay film where it's, it's like walking. Um, but he's he's saying, saying a still photo, not video. Right, right, right. I'm just saying if yeah, if it were sure. in that sort of stance, if you will. Um, I you know. I don't know much about this uh, Tom Dongo fellow, but from everything we've said about him, I feel like he would highly prize a photo of a live Bigfoot. Well, he spends several paragraphs before this statement talking about how um, photos of paranormal things aren't very valuable uh, because we have so many now. And if photographic evidence were good enough to prove things, it would have by now. Mm. So if you have any paranormal photos, you should just mail them to him. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, I guess that's what. <laughs> I guess that's one uh-huh. way to do it. Uh huh. These are worthless, so please give them give all me to that me. Shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then s- goes on to put a monetary value on on one. I'm gonna say twenty five grand. Yes, Am I right? that's exactly what he said. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'm buying a lottery ticket on the way home. Let's go. He says a photo of a live Bigfoot would have sold for $25,000 in 1995. I'm genuinely pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> I mean, it's a totally arbitrary, made-up bullshit number, but you fucking nailed it. But I am also capable of arbitrary <laughs> bullshit and have met him where he stands. Um, yeah. All right. I, so that's, uh, I mean, there have been, people have investigated this site since the 90s. Sure. Or I guess mostly between ninety five and oh three when it was sold to the government. Yeah, yeah. And can and no longer be investigated. Some of the like ghost hunter and paranormal shows have gone out there and spent time and tried to figure out what's going on and yeah. some of them claim to have some weird experiences. But mm. uh I just think it's weird that these same types of things are reported by people in different locations in different times and yeah. like very, very similar ways. Wasn't a lot of this around the same timing of Skinwalker too? Um, Wasn't that like eighties and nineties? I think. Let me see the. I think the NIDS investigation was later. Uh, let me see. Because I. I don't know why. What's that? No, I, I was just saying. Go ahead. I'm, oh, I'm looking it up. I feel like. Um, just in agreement with what you're saying, like, well, and we talk about this with a lot of the stuff that we talk about that, like the fact that some of these things are repeatable in not repeatable, but, um, feel similar, but in separate places with, mm-hmm. uh, very like low chance of cross pollination of some of these stories. But also like, in uh Sherman's moved on to the ranch in ninety four. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like right around the same time actually. Yep. So these stories were coming out ninety five, ninety six. Bigelow bought the ranch in ninety six and started the NIDS investigation in ninety six. So like within five years of each other. Interesting. But also those two Sedona wouldn't one would have been just before this stuff was being, the Skinwalker stuff was being uh, publicized. And they didn't write the book, The Hunt for a Skinwalker, until 05, or it was published in 05. Okay. But most of those uh, interactions were happening 94 to 96, 7, 8, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, and we've talked about this too, but like there wasn't like Twitter at the time. So when a news story like this hit, it wouldn't just necessarily. I don't know, you and know. I don't know how much stuff, how much of this stuff was even in the news. I mean, I guess locally yeah. you probably heard stories, but like, right? I don't think this stuff was national news or no, anything. No, it's true, especially because some so much of it is anecdotal from the people who lived and like stayed on the property, and. Right. This kind of goes back to the Skinwalker stuff we talked about too. Where it's like there wasn't really like a crime committed. No, well, I mean, you, you can't know? prove that anything happened. Right. Except, like, some animals got moved around. I don't know. Yeah. Skinwalker Ranch is Utah, yeah? I thought it was. Or Colorado? Utah. Uh, 
I want to know how Isn't far away the, these two places right. are. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Isn't it the, the Ute Valley or whatever? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, coordinates. Let's see. What? Wikipedia. Fuck you, then. I'm trying to find the actual uh, Skinwalker Ranch coordinates. Let's try that. Google Earth. Yeah. Show me that. Show me that. Give me that. Show me that. Um, Google Maps link directly to Skinwalker Ranch. Here we go. It is near Randlett, Utah. Mm. Distance to approximate distance to Sedona, Arizona. So it's like the northeast corner of Utah. Okay. So if we go from there to Sedona. A few, five, six hundred miles maybe. We're looking at like. Maybe not even that much. A few hundred miles. Uh ooh, five five sixty. Okay, so a pretty good distance. Yeah, stuff's big out there. <laughs> yeah, big space. But Southwest United States still. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, that shit's weird. The dimensional stuff is weird too, and like the whole uh, things just butting up against each other enough to be. There, but not there, or think it is, but it's not. I also can see a world in which if I lived out on hundreds of acres in the middle of nowhere with no telephone poles and, like, no access to shit that... Plenty of dinosaurs, though. Over time, I would uh, probably think I was starting to see dinosaurs <laughs> and hearing chattering sounds of human language in uh, the I, desert In some ways, night. though, I would, I would think you would get used to it, you know? Like, they're familiar with that, with what life is like out there. Yeah. Not like there's normally dinosaurs running around. But maybe you're not built for it, and all of a sudden you start dreaming and hallucinating and believing you're seeing and doing things you're not necessarily seeing. It is always tough when the source of all this stuff comes down to, like, two people. Right. And, And like you were saying earlier, like, well, yeah, but she's speaking on his behalf anyway. Like, he doesn't... I don't know. Uh, Like you were saying earlier... You found a horse wedged in a tree, but you didn't bother to take a picture of that, even though all you do all day is walk around taking photos of stuff. Right. You have your camcorder out all the time, but right. you didn't film the time that your horse got thrown up a tree. Yeah. By an invisible thing. Yeah. Like, you didn't take any sort of documentation of your son's condition when you found him 15 miles away, almost dead. Right. You didn't take him to the doctor or anything. You know, the other thing about this stuff, too, though, that I feel like in some ways lends it credibility is how disconnected and outrageous some of it is. Yeah. Actually, in some ways, makes me go, like, maybe you're not making that up because that's a weird thing to make up. And in a weird way, it almost... It makes it simultaneously more and less credible that this book is written so poorly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because... Like, you're not an author. She didn't write anything else, I don't think. She was just telling this story because she was like, this is my story. Yeah, she clearly is not, like, a practiced writer. Uh, It's not, I mean, if it's fiction, it's very bad fiction. (laughs) You know? Like, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it almost is more believable because it is, it does just sound like somebody's. Kind of weird. Trying to describe something that they don't really understand. Yeah. It's and it in that way it's not very convincing, but that's sort of what it would be if somebody was like, I saw four fucking aliens just walk past my house. Right. 
Did you take a picture? No, I don't know. There were just aliens walking by. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Not I man. wasn't ready for it. I was doing the dishes, and then there was aliens outside. <laughs> right. That was the sequence like, of events. And then I went outside, and they weren't there, but there were some footprints, but it was dark, so I took a kind of blurry photo of them right. on my film camera that had 100-speed film in it because it was 1993. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's super bizarre, and like I'm, 90% of me is like, this is total bullshit. Right. Because it sounds like total bullshit. And then the government comes in and snaps up all the land and Yeah, and then just trying to even trying to think through like what would her motivation be? This right. book didn't make any money. Right. Tom Dongo was trying to make a career out of writing about paranormal shit in the Southwest, but like Linda Bradshaw wasn't. Yeah. I don't think she'd want to put all her business out there about like, here's where my family lives and all the weird stuff that we do. Right. If there wasn't something to. I don't know what her motivation would be to do that right. if she didn't actually think that this stuff was happening. Right. Because she's not, yeah, she doesn't gain anything additionally. And there's totally the possibility of like the the folly of two or, you know, where two people can kind of convince each other that something is happening. And right. if you're going out every night looking for something weird with someone else who's looking for something weird and you one you of you has money weird. riding on it, right. you can probably convince yourself you saw something weird. Especially if, to some extent, she had even, like, some some small delusions and he was down to, like, gas those up. Yeah. And then— And in your, you're in an area that's isolated and geographically strange, and then there is, like, active military stuff happening nearby. Right. I don't know. I still don't know how you get to seeing a dinosaur. Or rectangular portals and— yeah. I mean, the other thing, too, like, some of those photos in there I was flipping through while we were talking and, like— the big girl print is like they're all super suspect, bro. Yeah, it's like it's all a those photos slightly are. discolored, vaguely human shaped, like spot of dirt on the. You ground. know what else could make that a human? Yeah, she could have just laid down and then taken a photo. Or of it. one like, of your horses laying down and rolling over in a weird way. Like the photo, or, none of the photos in here convince me of anything. Right, and that's like their primary evidence so to speak is like look at all these weird photos we took and those are often the things that make me think that if if people see those photos and they're making these jumps to these are flying glowing orbs and that was where the bigfoot laid down then i'm like well then what kind of logical jumps are you making right. on a day-to-day -day basis when you right. see something like if i'm seeing the same information as you and not coming to literally any of those conclusions right are you, are you going around doing this all day with somebody else who's also doing this? And right. Yeah. That, you're trying yeah. to come up with content for this book you're working on? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna bend this hanger weird and stick it in front of my yeah. camera lens and take a photo and, ooh, what's that? Yeah. There's a bunch of the, like, long exposure. He talks about, like, best way to capture paranormal stuff is with a three-minute exposure. Like, And then a bunch of the photos he has are, like, Clearly a, a, a stationary light source. With over, a squiggle. With from, like a shaky camera over a long exposure. Yeah. Like, look at the aliens. Like, dude, that's, that is a light bulb and a bad tripod. <laughs> like, or that is, that are, that's three bright stars or Jupiter or yeah. something and a shitty tripod or right. you bumped it, bud. Right. You didn't have a, you didn't have a remote. You had to hit the shutter to open it. He was like. He was trying to do one of those flashlight tricks where he was like, Dear big girl, I am here. Come hang out with me. All right. We're way over time. All right, man. Merging dimensions. 
Big girl. Big girl. Interdimensional big girl. Dong, da dong, dong, dong. <laughs> um, love you guys. Love we you guys. Have a good week. Uh, 612-246-4614. If you want to leave us a voicemail, we'll play more next week. Our Spotify playlist exists. Hey! So scroll down a little bit and we'll link to it. We'll link to it. Uh, thanks, y'all. We, it's we, all Sublime songs. <laughs> it's just every Sublime song. Four times. Spencer's finally come around. <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, we got a lot of submissions for the, the Spotify playlist from folks. So uh, we've added some of those. Yeah, yeah, a few. Most of those, some of those. Some of you guys. Mm. Some of y'all got denied. Mm. Spencer's, <laughs> Spencer's a DJ, y'all. If you make a bad request from the DJ, he's okay, not going to play your you. song. No, Even yeah. you have terrible taste in music. Is you there know a way? You, <laughs> you know who Your music are. taste is bad and you should feel bad. <laughs> Do we know what? who to link to, or, or is there like something people can search in Spotify if they want to listen to it? Oh, it's called "What If We Made a Playlist." Hey, that'll work. Yep, that'll do it. There should be. Um, yeah, uh, just so we've said it. Hi at whatifpodcast.com if you want to send us an email. Uh, Shop.whatifpodcast.com if you want to buy some swag. We got tees and hoodies and yeah. hats and posters and all kinds of crazy shit. Mugs, uh, and then lastly, photos of pregnant big feet. Fa- <laughs> That's our. We should start doing that. We should just take spooky photos and then sell them on our website. I love it. Cool, but yeah. it's but it's just us in costumes, maybe with like Shh. long exposures. Shh. And <laughs> uh, and then very lastly, before we go, uh, only other announcement is a live show's coming up. We got oh, yeah. about uh, six weeks. weeks or so, four or five weeks. I don't know. It's September nineteenth. Time's hard at Ice House in Minneapolis. Come and hang out with us. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Love uh, you guys. Love y'all. We'll see you next week. I'm doing everything that you would possibly do to get abducted.